This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader, no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I'm Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to foster a creative culture in a hybrid work environment. This episode is motivated by the dilemma many of you are having about whether you should be calling hybrid workers back into the office in order to restore a creative culture. Most notable is Bob Iger of Disney, who, according to a CNBC article, said that hybrid employees must return to the office four days a week starting March 1st. His rationale is quite interesting. He says, as I've been meeting with teams throughout the company over the past few months, I've been reminded of the tremendous value in being together with the people you work with. As you've heard me say many times, creativity is the heart and soul of who we are and what we do at Disney. And in a creative business like ours, nothing can replace the ability to connect, observe, and create with peers that comes from being physically together, nor the opportunity to grow professionally by learning from leaders and mentors. Yes, and we are going to be so bold as to say we disagree with this because it's based on the assumption that creativity is stimulated from interaction or a collaborative energy by being physically in the same space. Mm -hmm. But what we actually believe is that creativity is stimulated by creating a culture that then elicits creativity, which is really location agnostic and actually can be better accomplished when individuals are in a space that they feel they can be creative. And in fact, hybrid work environments may actually foster creativity even more so for this very reason. Yeah, agreed. And so for those of you who are still in and want to remain in a hybrid work environment, you actually may be in a better position to stimulate creativity. But we know many of you have anxiety over the logistical challenges of the virtual environment. So we're going to address those today and how to foster a creative culture even in a hybrid work environment. All right. So the first point of this, create channels and forums for ongoing creative downloads. So Bob's assumption, as April mentioned, that more people are creative when together is a common one. And I saw that a lot through my 20 plus years at P&G and now even my four years as consulting with other companies. But we would say that this is not the case when actually observed in practice. So these assumptions that impromptu discussions lead to big ideas or that the convenience of pulling Bob and Jenny into a huddle room to hash out a challenge, that was like always the big thing right at P&G. That Not to be confused with Bob Iger, just a general Bob. Oh, just case. a general Bob. Thank you. Maybe <laughs> I should have picked a different name in a general sense. So thank you for clarifying that. But we believe that and somehow like that physical presence and, and those like bumping into each other and somehow that kind of creates this spark of breakthrough. That isn't the case. In fact, many will claim that such interactions are actually big distractions. And at times when people aren't actually in the space to be creative anyway. Yep. Right. So you're kind of forcing the situation to happen. And the counter to this is to create channels and forums for people to actually download creative ideas when they're in the space to be creative and when people are in the space to receive them. Because like I said, try to force people together and thinking that you're going to put these two people together and all of a sudden there's going to be a spark of creativity. It doesn't actually work like that based on our experience and what we've observed. So the underlying truth for making this happen is that the culture supports divergent thinking, the challenging of ideas, what if scenarios. If your culture isn't like this, 
being in person isn't going to change anything. It's just not going to all of a sudden kind of become like that. You have to foster that. So on the flip side, then, if your culture is like this, if you are challenging ideas, if you do encourage a divergent thinking, if you are going through the what if scenario processing, virtual connections shouldn't impede that. So there's no reason why the physical presence should in any way perpetuate it and just by the virtue of being in together in person. So the common question then becomes, well, what are some specific ways in order to do this? And so I'm going to give you some specific channels and forms that we have seen work. One is to set up a Slack channel or whatever your method of communication is. We like Slack, but you use whatever's convenient for you. So set up a channel like Slack, something that's titled what's on your mind. Okay. So it's just a way for people to have like a download or a dump whenever there's something that kind of comes up, ideas or thoughts that are starting to kind of like, kind of, it just kind of like mull around in their brain, right? And they just need a place to put them. But the key here is to make sure the channel is moderated to facilitate that conversation, idea generation, and most importantly, action. This is not where ideas go to die. Okay, guys, <laughs> it needs to actually be fueled and it has to be, you have to take care with people's ideas. Yeah. And that moderation piece is so key because the last thing you want is people putting things out there and not getting a response. Mm-hmm. They'll get discouraged. They'll get in their head. It'll be a distraction. So the opposite of what you want this channel to actually serve. Right. And we're going to talk about that later because I think that's a really good point. Another one is if you want something a little bit more kind of just one way where you don't want to facilitate the interaction so much, you can use an email address or a phone number. We've seen these work where people just can call and submit ideas like they're on their way home. It's like, yeah, I had this idea. So they can just call. It can be recorded or they can be in some place where just email it in. So you can collect these, filter them and then feed them back to the group for discussion. Again, there is a feedback loop here. Another one is to set up regular connects for the sole purpose of sharing what's on your mind or call it whatever you want. These all don't need to be in the office, by the way. They can be outside the office in spaces that stimulate thinking. Hybrid isn't necessarily home or office. I mean, there's a lot of things in between. And these don't even have to be like long meetings. So some people think that they have to get into brainstorming sessions that last three, four, or five hours a day. That's not necessarily the case. These could be quick, in the moment. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, kind of like just, again, it's those brain dumps and stimulating conversation. If you like to use the virtual tools, there's now a lot of additional apps that you can download or add-ons that you can download for Zoom or Teams or whatever you use that allow you to kind of co-create. So whiteboards is an example that people now use on Zoom. If that's too simplistic, look for different tools. There's a whole suite of them now. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's several things that I want to comment and put finer points on here. The first thing is, with regards to the tools, I think this is hugely important. And coming from the agency side of things, we always talked about the value of, like, the wall, right, or the room, or the wherever you were doing your Mm -hmm. creative exercise. And so... We always had different conference rooms that could be reserved, especially if there were projects going on for a long period of time or it was going to be a bigger assignment where people could do exactly what Anne just talked about of plugging things in when they were thinking about it or, you know, based on their schedule when they had an hour or two throughout the day that they were going to work on it. And we had several of these types of projects, actually, as COVID went on, you know, I'll throw out another tool, which was Mural. But to Anne's point about Mm -hmm. the whiteboard, really specifically, this allows you to do that in a virtual way. And I actually think it's quite nice because it builds more efficiency into the process without losing any of the creativity. So what I mean by that is 
we're not really presenting on boards anymore, right? That's kind of a thing mm-hmm. of the past. And the unfortunate thing about doing things that way where we were cutting out pictures, et cetera, is you had to print it out, put it up, but then you also had to manage the virtual side of things. With these whiteboards, even if you are in person, I think they can be hugely helpful to building efficiency. You can also align more quickly within them on what the team is thinking, feeling, et cetera. So I think to Anne's point, we saw with COVID the need for these tools to develop, and I think they did actually quite nicely. So I would just put a plug that if your company hasn't explored these, I would. And I would spend some time thinking about what you need for your organization and then which tools can fulfill those needs specifically, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. But on the other side of things, I want to talk a little bit for a minute about the point around where people actually find their creativity and allowing them to do that. I mean, I remember when I was responsible at the last agency for developing the strategy team, in order for me to be able to do that, I had to reserve blocks of time and physically leave the office. Yeah. And I'm the type of person, to the points we've made so far throughout this episode, that I actually, even in the creative, quote-unquote, environments of an agency, you know, it's supposed to be energizing and the spaces were beautiful and you had ping pong tables and taps of beer and all these things, I actually found it to be a huge distraction. And mm-hmm. I could not sit at my desk and create. I just couldn't do it. And so when I had to do heavy thinking, it required me to leave the space and find a space that was a lot more inspiring. And so I think this has been going on regardless of when we were, you know, quote unquote, always in person. Um, And I know all cultures are different and that sort of thing. But swinging back too far the other way, I think is dangerous. So that's why we say we're not in line with Bob Iger as much as I realize he's the head of Disney and there's great things about him in the philosophy of doing that. And then the last thing I want to say here is, you know, I mentioned before, if you're going to have people do this exercise, and I know we're going to get into some of the specifics of this in later points, making sure that you respond to them, but also making sure that you're cultivating these things in whatever way makes sense for your organization because I think the other tendency that we've seen is people are like tried it didn't work move along yeah when it's actually like did you give it a fair shot did you really try to make it work for your organization because we would suspect and of course given our point of view that maybe you didn't try as hard as you could have and you kind of set it up to fail from the beginning so just my comments there no I think those are all right on and I'll maybe think of another one that we used to use is um, we used to hire a sketch artist too. Yeah, we did too. Yep. I mean, obviously a lot of creatives can draw, but if you're worried about being able to capture the ideas in a more of a uh, visual format, even on a digital whiteboard, those sketch artists can actually create yep. those things for everybody to see. So it's so hard to find out something that can't be translated virtually anymore to the point that you're making is we're no longer cutting out pictures and putting them on boards. Mm -hmm. And even in that case, I think you could probably figure out how to do that virtually too. Yeah. I mean, I just had a discussion last night when I was out with someone who's a more of a fine artist and we were bemoaning the fact that the hand skills have kind of gone to shit. (laughs) 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 But I think, you know, us old folk that really remember liking to get in there with the paints and we, we got into the like texture of the brushes and all the smells and whatever. I'm like, when you're commercializing it, it's just not the way of the world anymore. So no excuse. Smell the computer screen, right? (laughs) Yeah. Part of the reason I'm no longer a designer, other, other than the bigger reason that I was not good at it. But anyway, I digress. Okay. Well, the next point of how to foster a creative culture in a hybrid work environment is to solicit creative insights and ideas. 
this means giving people stimulus for pondering and actually asking for ideas. Again, being creative is not a spontaneous combustion of like people <laughs> coming together and all of a sudden, poof, you have creativity. There has to be something that they are ideating on that actually it solicits and elicits the actual creativity. So this usually comes in the form of business challenges, maybe some opposing or contradictory criteria. A lot of the things that you're trying to face are like, how do we do this without compromising this? Or I, I don't want to lose this, but I want to add this. You know, So you have those conflicting criteria that you need to solve for. Or as I said before, the what if scenarios, which are very visionary oriented, which is what if we could do this? Or what if we wanted this? Or how do, you know, how do we do this? And so then you get those juices start to, uh, to percolate in people's brains. But it's very important to be specific in order to get the most actionable ideas. So you don't want to leave it too broad. And we, you heard us in a, a previous episode we had about how to be creative. It was about actually giving guardrails. Yes. Right. And so yes. understanding there are guardrails and that helps us to be creative. So if you need more about those sorts of things, go back and listen to that episode. But studies do show that when people have time to think independently first, more original ideas are generated. And of course, you can guess where I got this from. April, any guesses? Adam Grant's originals. Yes. Savior of everything these days. Anne's becoming a little bit of a one-trick pony. I'm starting to be concerned. But maybe, again, I digress again. Well, maybe you should just, you know, reread the book. Okay. But, <laughs> it has been a while. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the studies show. So it's not just, you know, Adam, you know, prophesizing this, but it is really true based on those experts yep. out there, him being one of them. But in that being the case, hyperinvoyments can actually give people freedom to actually ponder in a space and at a time when they can be the most creative and free from distraction. Kind of like what you said, April, mm -hmm. earlier about where you find that creativity and where you find that creative space. Then when you pull people together in the forums, as we discussed previously, the conversations are richer and more productive. But the most important thing is that there needs to be time incorporated to people's day jobs for this exercise. This is not something that people are supposed to do on their free time. Okay, guys, they need to be able to do it in, within the context of their work time. And it needs to be incentivized and rewarded, but not on a who has the most creative ideas because creativity isn't a competition. And so that never wins because it becomes a very subjective exercise of, oh, who is the most creative here? But it's who is most committed to the practice of creative idea generation. So you need to structure your incentives and your rewards around that. So April, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I think, you know, one of my big things is making homework assignments, quote unquote. And I don't mean that in the way of taking it home and doing it, because I think your point is 1000% correct. And this is where I would see the lines start to blur and the work start to stretch outside of the hours and these kinds of exercises becoming another thing on people's plates. But the point of the homework is to set intention around a lot of these things. And the other piece about this is when you solicit, sometimes depending on who's in the room, the mix of people, the level of experience, the level of exposure, how many assignments they've worked on, you're going to have to curate the assignment and lead people a little bit more or a little bit less depending on who they are. And so I love the homework because the homework is not like I said, I guess I should stop using that term. <laughs> Pre-assignment, right? So something that people are meant to go and explore before coming to things. Sometimes if it's a super senior person and they've done this a lot, you can just say, go do some digging and exploring and come back with some ideas. 
If they're not that, sometimes you have to direct and teach at the same time that you're providing the assignment. So some really specific ones that we used at the agency and we actually use pretty considerably, pretty much on a regular basis with a lot of our clients today are things like, what is going to get you out of your thinking in this day-to-day, in this office, in this space that you're always in, even if your office mm-hmm. is at home? Because we spend so many hours a week on our particular job, right? So this is stuff like, what trends are happening in the business world in total and what could Mm -hmm. we learn Mm -hmm. from them and bring back in? Mm -hmm. What are your competitors doing? Mm -hmm. This is a really good one for a newer person, more junior person, someone learning to be a leader in the space. What are some things going on in the category around you? So like if you're in the home building world and you're actually the builder, what about the contractors or the people that pour the concrete or the ones that are going to install the pipes? What do their websites and social and things look like? What can you learn and glean from those types of things? And I think really what this is, again, meant to do is One, get them out of their day-to-day and all of that, but it also can be a way to guide folks into being more strategic in their thinking and get to a bigger picture level, which I think is where you start to get more creative ideas. Because one of the ways we serve our clients is to help them identify places where we're trying to do these creative exercises And they too quickly get to, we tried that, that would never work, that'll never get approved, that's not the culture Mm -hmm. of the organization. Those things may all be very true. That is the antithesis to getting people to think more creatively. So I just caution closing the door too much, but then like I was saying at the beginning, make sure you take a look at who is going to be part of the process and set them up for success and give them some ideas on what this might look like through their assignment so they can come in primed to participate no matter their level, experience, all of those things. That's a really good point. Marketing Smarts is sponsored by scottmaltz.com, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-U-T-Z.com. Scott Maltz is a popular keynote speaker and number one best-selling author whose latest book and talk, Leading from the Middle, helps middle managers dramatically increase their influence up, down, and across their organization. Want your company's middle managers and leaders equipped to foster a high-performing organization? Want them inspired to drive the change and transformation that's a challenging necessity moving forward? Then go to scottmaltz.com to check out Leading from the Middle and all of Scott's keynotes, trainings, courses, and books. On a personal note, Marketing Smarts has worked with Scott as our business coach and found our own successful results, so we highly endorse him. All right, our third point on how to foster a creative culture in a hybrid work environment is to form creativity pods. April. <laughs> yes, I'm a huge fan of this. So what you do is you actually assign people, again, to thinking about the people. You're being very choiceful in who you're putting together and why. You also want to make sure that the people you're putting together are going to have different ways of thinking. So a good way to do this is different departments or like I just said, different types of experiences, right? When we used to do this at one of the agencies that was heavily proctor work, we would purposely always pull someone in that didn't work on the proctor business to participate Mm -hmm. because we wanted to make sure we were pulling ideas from other parts of the organization. You want to make sure that you're not fostering groupthink and how you put these people together, you want them to actually have a creative debate. And when I worked at Interbrand, I felt like we did this really well and we used to call it a three-legged stool. And so what you would get is you would have an account lead, hopefully someone who was strategic and not just more of a PM-led, but that was a personal preference for me, um, an actual creative designer, 
and then someone on the strategy team. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so we would be put together as the comprehensive team with different hats on when we would go into that, right? So I would be the one, you know, on the brand side of things or the business goals, making sure that we were being strategic in what we were serving. The point of tension was always with the creative person because they would push the boundaries of creative, but I would have to make sure that it was really on strategy. And then the account person was always the client's voice in the room. So they were trying to meet the objectives of the assignment and the things that they knew about the client. And none of this was meant to be restrictive. It was more to get to the creative debate to get to solutions that served all three of us. So back to that stool mm -hmm. analogy, where if one feels unbalanced, right, you're kicking their leg out, the stool falls. So you're trying to make sure that all of those things are in balance and that creates a really healthy tension. Some people may argue that by creating the teams, you're not naturally letting creativity evolve, like what can happen in the physical environment. You know, we all remember water cooler conversations, mm -hmm. although I'm like, who still has a water cooler? Anyway, <laughs> antiquated analogy. Um, but I think that that's actually also a misnomer, a misconception, because I think what happens at the water cooler is more relational type discussion. How was your weekend? Did you see the football game? What did you do? You know, how was that soccer game you were going to? Whatever those things are. Or if someone does throw out an idea, very rarely does it go beyond that. Because again, you have to cultivate those ideas, right? So that relies on someone taking the baton and going and doing something with it. And I just don't think that that's the right setting for that. By establishing these groups and giving them a chance to really think on things, you're setting an expectation and an intention that they will work together, even if it's virtually, on whatever task you assign. And it becomes their choice then, how do they go and do it? right? Because they have the assignment. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you've set the precedent that you're putting them together for a reason. And therefore, you're expecting higher level thinking because you're putting them together as a team. And then it's on them to facilitate it however is going to work best for them. And then I think the other thing to say here is making sure that everyone has an understanding of the level of work expected. I mean, this is something when I go back to grad school and one of the things that really made me mad or even when I was in design school is if you go beyond that two to three and you have four, five, and six, then you automatically always end up with folks that are sitting back. Right. And so you have, you know, like me, I'm a take charge and I'm an extrovert and I love the energy of groups, right? So I will be the facilitator. I will, you know, make sure that, we're all, you know, engaged and we all have roles and whatever, but inevitably if I'm managing too many people and then there's an expectation that someone like me is also going to participate in the work, it makes it easy for other folks to kind of just sit back and absorb and not do their part or to be mm -hmm. introverted and uncomfortable. The more people you add, the easier it is for them not to use their voice. So there's all kinds of reasons that this works well or doesn't if you are going to have any more than that kind of two to three because the responsibility defaults eventually to just a couple of people to take it on and make sure that it gets all done. I thought that's a really good point. The two to three, I think, is an ideal number for a lot of the reasons you you mentioned. I also think it does encourage more equal participation. And once you start getting bigger, you start getting the groupthink thing that starts to kind of come in. Yep. And that starts to really dilute your opportunity to generate all the creative ideas that you possibly can. I'll give two examples from my PNG experience where I thought that this worked really well. And they're kind of like on opposite sides. So one was I actually got paired with a Saatchi strategist, which <laughs> thought in any realm, like Saatchi 
notoriously is not known for being very collaborative outside their own creative process. So for here's my PR person here to go with Asachi strategy. Everybody's like, well, we'll see what happens there. But I was, was a little worried about what you're going to say there because I'm like sitting across the table literally from you right now is your agency strategist. <laughs> I know, but that's why I call Prepared you for finding it. the right one. <laughs> yeah, I qualified it. But I think the thing that you said before rings true here, which is like, okay, if you take two people out of their comfort zones who are naturally creative people and you put them together, they're like, well, okay, which is what happened to us. We're like, well, let's see what we can do. and Let's do better than everybody else, yeah. right? And so it becomes more of a team effort, but we kind of had got to shed some of that baggage and some of our old paradigms that we have from the places that we're coming in order to rethink about something that was put in front of us. So that's one I thought worked really well. And I, to that point, I think when you put unlikely people together, you can get really interesting things that kind of emerge. The other side of this was my friend and I, he's still my friend and actually invest in his, his business is, is Utam. And he was a brand manager at P and G and we actually had like a shared a common desk behind us or a table, if you will. So I could turn around in my chair and that was actually his desk. And so <laughs> we would go back and forth, back and forth. And it would get heated. I mean, heated in the bullpen and everybody would be like staring at us. But I mean, we were just in our own little world because we were very passionate people and we were just expressing our ideas and we were like, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, you want to do this. I can't believe you want to blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, well, let's do this. That like, I like that. That works for me. All right, let's go get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody be like looking at us like, what just happened, right? But that's just kind of how we operated. And I, I say all that to say, you can't define the tone for which it happens either. So if you are going to foster creative debate, sometimes debate can get passionate. It can get heated. Unless it starts getting very disrespectful, mm -hmm. let it happen. Mm -hmm. Because that's, sometimes that's how the people need their outlets. They need to get it all out there. And that's the way that they get it all out there. Because creative people are, tend to be very highly passionate people. Yeah, I, th I think that's it's so spot on. And, and I think the thing is, we're not saying that that is the way that you should do it. But I think it's more in finding the style that works for you. Because... What I do think is that if you can get into that healthy debate and you can do it in front of other people like that, it takes the pressure off of people to stop what we like to call the Midwest nice in this part of the country, but where people think they have to be polite in their debate. And that's not actually the case. Now, obviously, we're, you know, that was an example where it was in person, but you can do that too, just as virtually, right? Yeah. If you're typing comments back and forth to each other, you can be super straightforward and direct. And then if other people see that, then they don't feel like they have to spend their time hedging to make sure that they don't hurt someone's feelings or be disrespectful or whatever. If you can couch it in, this is about the work, not our relationship. And then people can see at the end of it, it's like, that was a great debate. We got to a good solution. Are you happy? I'm happy. Okay, good. Let's move on. Yeah, so. I think that's exactly the point. But there needs to be things put in place in order to facilitate that, April. And which leads us to the next point of how to foster a creative culture in a hybrid work environment, which is... Management needs to be accountable for actioning the creative process. Yes, that is exactly right. And this is highly, highly critical. So if everything we've just talked about, you do all this hard work and you put all these things into place and it's just met with silence or ambivalence, people are going to lose motivation to be creative. 
And it is very, very hard to get that back. Yeah, I will is. say that from experience. People have to know, and this isn't just like in a creative environment. I mean, we talk about this all the time. If people are going to stand up and profess their ideas, they have to feel like they were heard and considered and recognized for doing so because it's a brave thing to do. Yes. Even if it's a sign to you to put yourself out there and say something contrary or bring an idea, it puts you in a vulnerable space. So in order to ask people to come out of their comfort zone, on the other side, you have to make sure that you're hearing them, considering them, and recognizing them. So like we said before, the channels need to be moderated or there needs to be follow-up from sessions. They need to be very, very timely and tied to action items. What is going to happen next with a timeline to make sure that those things happen, as you can hear in my voice I have had some not those experiences before. And also, I mean, let's also be real. Nobody expects every single idea to come to fruition, but everybody just needs to feel that appreciation. And if management isn't going to do that, then who will? Nobody will. It starts at the top, right? Right. If it's not a priority of management, it's not a priority of anybody that works below management. We have too many things on our plate. We've already talked about how we all have our quote unquote day jobs and assignments, which is why it's so critical to assign these things within the parameters of that. But if people can fill their time with other things and they're busy and they have plenty on their plate, they're going to do that. That's their comfort zone. That's where they can, you know, get recognized the most if it's not being done here. And so that's something to be very, very careful of. And this actually means that management needs to be engaged in the process. They have to hold themselves accountable to the same level, if not more, than they're holding all the people that they're asking these things of. And this is especially true in respecting contributions of those who come to the office and those that do not. So this is the other tricky thing I think that we're hearing from our clients about the hybrid work environment. And, you know, I'll just say with my husband's company, they see this, right? So it's really hard, for example, for Bryce to work here when he's in town. I have the office. Our kids are in and out. He gets distracted super easily. So he finds it more helpful to go into the office every day, but he doesn't expect that of his team. But he will say he has to watch himself because the other people that are in the office are more accessible, right? Yeah. So on one hand, you can forget about the ones that aren't there. And on the other hand, you can drive the other people in the office crazy because you're constantly bugging them because there's less people there than normal, right? So... It is self-discipline. It's making sure that you put a practice in place. It's being very self-aware. It's making sure that you're respecting whatever environment is working for people or whatever you have aligned to as an organization and embracing that and keep coming back to that. Management is also responsible for creating a culture of trust so people feel safe in sharing. This doesn't mean that everybody has to like each other, but they do need to respect each other. And that means getting to know people as people, who they are, what motivates them, how they think, what they know, and also what value they bring to the organization. Because if you're not making sure that people have respect for each other, that's another way that you're not going to get those ideas to come to life. Because if people don't get along as people, even if they have to work together, that can also be a tricky place. So you kind of have to set all the rules, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. right, around this and make sure that, again, you as management holds this as something important and you profess that out there. You help people get to a place where it's something that they are comfortable doing with expectations of what it looks like. And you also have to be ready to nip in the bud any sort of bad behavior that comes up so that people, again, feel comfortable continuing to share. 
You know, all of that is so, so, so important. So if you are a manager and you're trying to create this culture, know that it stops and starts with you. And if you're not going to lead it, model it, and set the tone for it, it's going to just be anarchy. And <laughs> you're not yeah, going to get what is. you're looking for, right? Yep. So you need to take responsibility for it. You need to practice what you preach. You need to have integrity, as April said, with regards to, hey, if you're setting these principles and you're setting this process, you need to make sure that people are following it. Don't let those things slide because as soon as it gets undermined, your authority gets undermined because you said that, oh, these three people need to collaborate together, but you're only hearing one person's ideas, not all three Mm -hmm. people's ideas. Then those other people are like, oh, they don't give a shit what I have to say anyway, so why should I even bother? You cannot undermine your own process or this thing will just unravel very quickly. And because creative people tend to be very sensitive people by nature, like you said, it crumbles very quickly and it's really, really hard to build back up again, right? So do right by it and make sure that you maintain that. And then I'll just say to kind of just like wrap up all of this, although April, you might have like a final comment too on this part is that- I always have final comments. I know. I don't even know why I'm even saying that. Everything that we've mentioned to go do over the last, what, like 20 some minutes, 30 some minutes can all be done virtually. Yes. There is nothing magic about having people together in the office that makes this happen. We've seen it. We know it. I'm going to go on a limb and question, you know, why Bob would have said this is the Bob Iger guy, not just a random Bob that I use as an example. (laughs) would bring people together based on this, except for the fact that maybe the business wasn't doing so well, right? So I'm sure he had this reason. You bring people back in because your business is not doing well. I get that. Putting it in in this, wrapping it in this cloak of like, it's all a creativity thing. Eh, not so much and not so sure. And I think that's why you have to be very, very careful with these rationales is if it doesn't click with your people and you're asking them now to make a huge life switch, they're gonna be like, I don't get it. Well, yeah, because the them. common response we hear is, I've been doing it this way for two years now. What do you mean I have to come back? What's wrong? And if now they say, well, the business isn't you know, going well. Well, okay, fine. But that should be the rationale. The business isn't going well. We need all yes. hands on deck. Not that we don't think you guys are being creative enough. Whose fault is that, right? Yep. That's 100%. management's fault. That was point number four, just yes. in case you're keeping, not keeping track. <laughs> exactly. Anything else to wrap up on that, April? No, I'm good. I mean, I sort of interrupted there, so I, I gave a half one, but then, yeah, I'm good. Okay, well, all right. All right, so we'll move on to our final segment is where we highlight companies or brands that may or may not be using their marketing smart, may or may not have anything to do with this episode. And this one kind of does. Oh, here we go. It does. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Kendra Scott because we were at the store in Nashville for our talk that we gave two weeks ago now, well, from when we're recording this episode, from Advancing Women in Technology. And it was a fabulous, fabulous location to have a gathering. And so if you're trying you're trying to create a creative culture, I think this place does okay. it really, really well. Okay, that's fair. Would you admit that? Yeah. All right, because it's extremely curated, right? And so when you walk in that store, you are automatically kind of pulled in by just the visual appeal of it all. You're pulled in by the way things are staged. You're pulled in by just a curiosity to see what, everything that's in there, right? So, and then on top of that, the whole premise of Kendra Scott's being able to customize your pieces that fit you, right? So would we not say that gets like you to be creative? Yeah, no, yeah, I right. agree. I agree. Yeah, so, okay. I, I didn't see the automatic connection, but I, yep, I will say, yeah, fair. I'm here all week. <laughs> 
So I think that just that concept of that, and I, other people have tried this too, but being pulling all the pieces together in a way that feels very much like a brand and a very well-imagined and very well-articulated brand, I thought was amazingly done. Now, that being the case, it's also very localized. I've been to two of them now. So I've been to the one in Austin, which is one of their flagship stores, which also was very magnificently done. So definitely some several consistencies, but it also had the air of the local flair, right? And our Nashville one did too, because it had the yep. nice stage with the big, you know, Nashville written in the pink. And so it had, they all have their little tasteful nods to the, the local community and, and what's special about the local community. But it's just a fun shopping experience. And I think in doing that, it kind of brings out people's desire to be creative and want to create something for themselves. They're like, this is mine. I created this for me. This represents me. Nobody else probably has this. Or if you do, I mean, it could be a gazillion people because there's so many different choices. And that makes people feel like they can express themselves through their jewelry. But then also they had candles and they had other things that you could also use to express your lifestyle. In Austin, I thought it was fantastic. They had a little cafe where you can have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and you can, a lot of guys were sitting there waiting for their wives to go to the <laughs> cash register. But also, I mean, you could sip as you shop or you can have a little girl's time in before or after. So it was all very carefully thought out. And so I thought that that was a really great example of how you could take this creativity, this idea of creativity and put it anywhere. And then, oh, and if I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, like the staff are all raging fans too. So the staff is very in it. They know the story. They know what the whole brand is about. Um, when we were in Nashville, the, the wonderful ladies that worked there were talking about the philanthropic efforts and in addition to everything that you could do and everything you could buy and purchase. So that's my Marketing Smarts moment. Yeah, I mean, I would add on to the brand experience and, you know, part of my background was in retail for a couple years and a couple different stints. And we would always talk about the brand experience and marrying it up with the actual shopping experience in the store. And I feel like with them, they do an exceptional job of this because they know their audience really, really well. They understand that it's going to take some consideration and some time. And so they curate the cases, but they curate the experience. And at no point do you feel overwhelmed. And I feel like one of the things we're seeing as a result of retail stores limiting or condensing or whatever their in-store footprint is we're seeing stores become really, really congested and you're kind of feeling like you're cramming things in. Commoditized. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't feel like this was that experience at all. And I also think that they get a lot of credit because they are okay with selling the experience more than selling the things. And so they're worried about how their loyal fans or even someone experiencing the brand for the first time or even someone like me where Kendra Scott is not necessarily my brand for jewelry, but I still bought a candle and found yeah. a different way to experience it, right? So I just, I think curated and considered are the words that I would use. And every element, every touch point in that store is very on brand. And there's a lot of moments of delight. And obviously we were there for a couple of hours, so perhaps longer than I would have spent ruminating on this if I wasn't in the space for that long. But I just, I offer them tons of kudos. Yep, I agree. See, I told you. <laughs> 
All right. So just to recap, how to foster a creative culture in the hybrid work environment. First, create channels and forms for ongoing creative downloads. So it's important to be able to create those spaces where people can download ad hoc, and but you have to make sure that you're actually going to facilitate it and you're going to actually respond to it. Number two, solicit creative insights and ideas. This means giving people stimulus for pondering and actually asking for ideas. Number three, form creativity pods. These are pods of two to three people that are actively working on a creative challenge. And finally, Management needs to be accountable for actioning the creative process. This is critical. If everything we have talked about is just met with science or ambivalence, people will lose motivation to be creative. And with that, we'll say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.